0: Welcome to the Your Creativity Podcast. We have long-form conversations featuring incredible creatives from all walks of life, sharing their unique journeys, and more with our quirky panel of hosts, featuring Dylan
1: Mazziotti, Steve Hatch, Terry Burden, and Jessica Richardson.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity. This is kind of a special Sundance edition since uh, today uh serendipitously the day of recording is the 30th anniversary of uh kevin smith's clerks and we are joined today by one of the leads of that film brian o'hara and Dante hicks himself how are you brian
1: i'm doing good thank you guys for having me on yes it's so weird uh, that today is the uh 30th anniversary of the first screening the first of four that we had at sundance of 94 so uh, very, very weird.
3: Wow. <clears throat> yeah.
2: That voice she just heard is our, our friend Molly. Um, she's my partner in crime over on the Ask the Stripper podcast and she helps me on here from time to time. Welcome Molly. Hello. <laughs> and we're also joined by Terry Burden who has quite a bit of Sundance experience. Her years up on Park City Television. Welcome Terry.
0: Thank, friend. Always good to be with you and uh, with all of you today. How about that? That such an auspicious day in the in the life of an unforgettable film, and uh, right here nearby our world famous film festival. Very cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So- uh, one of the biggest pivotal moments in my entire life. Uh, was the Sundance Film Festival? It'll always have a uh, a special place in my heart. Uh, that year, I, uh, the last time I was there uh, was a like a 15 year um, retrospective screening of Clerks. Myself and uh, Kevin Smith went up there to do uh, a Q and A, an intro and a Q and A of the screening back then as well. So, uh, my has uh, Park City grown and the whole area grown since 1994. I'll tell you that much. Brian, if you would
0: uh take us back for, for a moment and and tell us a little bit about your recollections of kind of the the lead-in to coming to this big film festival and uh you know you guys being uh you know the essence of, of Sundance and independent filmmakers. Uh talk about your, I assume there was some great anticipation. And uh, yeah, talk a little bit about what the vibe was like back then.
1: Sure, so uh, back in 93, we gotta go back in 93 when we made the film, uh, uh, late winter, early spring, uh, around the April time period, we had made Clerks. um, A local filmmaker in the Jersey Shore area of New Jersey, Kevin Smith um, had gone to Vancouver Film School for one year and decided to drop out, come back to his hometown in the highlands new jersey and um decided he was gonna get some money together and get his two friends dave klein and scott Mosier, who also went to vancouver film school to come down to jersey and make this film uh that he wrote based on his own employment at the quick stop groceries in leonardo new jersey which he then did he wrote Uh, the script while working shifts at both the quick stop and the RST video store next door that the owner of both did. Um, He had held auditions in the local community theater, the first Avenue playhouse, uh, which is still around today in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey Uh, and asked the owners of the playhouse. This is before people had cell phones. This was before the internet. uh, If you could, um, if we could use your theater, to audition local actors and then could you call up your stable of actors to let them know. Plus he put in listings in and varia- uh, backstage uh, paper and the local paper where Wednesdays were the audition notices in the arts section. Um, and so when we made the film, we went through the audition process. We then got down to making the film. And then um, the film, when it was shot and we shot it on uh, 16 millimeter, uh kevin then edited the film on a steam back which is you get raw footage and you put it through a scroll and then the little screen and you literally physically cut and tape the film together and once it was put together that summer uh in the back of the video store um he then started to submit to film festivals and one of the first places he submitted was the independent feature film market uh, a film festival that was held down in uh New York City in the village uh, right off uh, right at the uh, uh, for Houston there and um, at the Angelica Theater. And so uh, we were one of the films selected for that festival. I believe it was another 10 day festival. But we were literally our slot was one screening on a Sunday at 11 a.m. Nobody was there. Pretty much nobody was there. When we walked in, there was like 15 of us and the rest was maybe five or six scatterings of people. And we thought, oh, okay. I mean, we were excited to finally see the film up on a screen, but we were kind of disappointed that no one was in the audience. Um, But uh, fate looked upon us, uh, and at least one person was in that audience. Uh, And that one person was a gentleman by the name of Bob Hawke, who was known in the film industry, yes, as being a finder of films, as being a script doctor, as being a kind of a go-between into is for filmmakers and distributors and film festivals and stuff, he saw the film. And then he reached out to his network of film lovers in the New York City area, Amy Talbin and people at Miramax, people at Fox, Searchlight, things like that. And uh, the word got back to Kevin because Kevin got a phone call from various people going, hey, I heard uh, your film is the film to see from this festival. And they were like, uh, "Where'd you hear that from?" Kevin would say, and we're like, "Oh, we just from someone of good authority." And it was okay. And they'd like to get a VHS copy of the film. Once that happened, and Kevin was still asking people, "Who is this person that saw the film and is saying all these rave, you know, these things about it?" Finally, someone revealed to him that it was a gentleman by the name of Bob Hawk. And then Bob, he reached out to find Bob Hawk. Bob said, "You need to submit to Sundance." And he's like, Sundance, but that's like the premiere. He's like, trust me, just do it. And we submitted uh, and then by that October or whenever it was you get the notice that you're in, once we got in, we were like, holy crap. Uh, So then we all decided, well, who you know, obviously Kevin and Dave and Scott were going to go, but who of us were going to go? So we decided to uh, say, hey, if we all pool our money together, we can rent like a two bedroom townhouse in Park City and you know, depending on how much you contribute is, do you get a bed? Do you get a couch? Do you get a space on the floor? Um, so I couldn't, at the time I was working, I couldn't really go for the full 10 days, but I could go for the last five days. So I, uh, I think I paid for a corner of a room uh, on the floor uh, to, uh, to go to the festival. So the first two screenings had happened and there was this kind of buzz. First of all, uh, tickets for this movie sold out before the festival started, which I hear is a rarity when it comes to Sundance um so when the first two started to, to the first two screenings happened and then i got there and then the following two screenings were going on and myself and marilyn gigliotti who plays uh veronica in the original clerks uh we were walking down the street in park city where people were stopping her i'm like oh my god we loved your work in that that clerks movie and she was like oh oh thank you and she she's like then this is the guy who played dante I was clean shaven at the time because I was doing another role in another project. So people were like, Oh, I didn't recognize you without the, the, the Van Dyke. Um, so that was kind of weird. Is that a, that kind of feeling in 1994, no less for a film that dialogue wise was pretty racy at the time at that time today. It's like, you know, <laughs> such a kind of language yeah. compared to what was on screen today. Uh, so that, started this whole kind of like wow this this could be something you know when people asked, did you ever think it would become this big kind of cult iconic kind of following <clears throat> film i was like no i thought i'd just have a vhs copy that i would get to show friends going hey look what me meet a bunch of people did over at that store a couple of towns over kind of a thing um so it's nice to know that uh from sundance when the final screening happened because uh, Harvey Weinstein was sent an advance copy in New York before we even went to Sundance. And he was sat down in the office, saw black and white, and went, fuck this. Excuse me. He's like, the hell with this. And he was out. And then they said, no, no, you got to see it again. And he stayed as long as the cigarette rant. And then he was a avid smoker. And he was like, this is ridiculous. And he left.
3: But when it came
1: to Mark Tusk, who worked for Miramax at the time, he was our golden child inside miramax who's like no 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 you you got to understand this this speaks to us 20 somethings this is us you know you need to get this movie forced him to the to the final screening now the final screening had people like um you know danny devito was there winona Ryder was there a lot of people were in the audience uh, of not just distribution note but you know it had gotten the word around to the a-listers i guess And uh, that audience was a really great audience. And it was after that screening that the uh, previous chairman of Miramax, uh, who won't be named, uh, was, uh, came out and took uh, Kevin and Scott out to sign the contract to buy the film. And then the rest is history.
2: And three films and many appearances later. Um, Yeah. That's
3: amazing. That is such an amazing story. Thank you so much for telling us that. Um, when you were at Sundance, um, did you do, I'm just, this is just my brain, but did you do a lot of partying or was it really just networking and all of that or and so focused on promoting the film?
1: Um, no, there was, uh, there was some really good parties, obviously, at Sundance. Um, there was a woman who worked for MTV named Robin Berlin, who was like their talent booker agent person who i became friends after one of the screenings with and uh she was going to all the parties and she wanted to introduce me to all these people um so i went to like a caa party i went to a a william morris party i went to a bunch of different parties like that and absolutely had fun you know um in doing the press for the film when we were trying to get the film out there you know we were talking to people like cnn at the time entertainment tonight MTV when Kennedy had worked for MTV uh interviewed with her and stuff like that but yeah we partied like i didn't ski um you know like some people cuz literally the townhouse condo that we were renting like was the foot of the of a mountain that you ski and you could literally ski right to your back condo sliding glass door kind of thing didn't do any of that um but yeah definitely uh partied now remember in 94 park city is not what park city is today park Mm -hmm. city then um you know was not that many blocks long of that main stretch now when i was there uh 15 years ago um huge the schools were built the whole downtown went further down the hill um that kind of thing and then condos and more luxury housing went further up the mountain and stuff so that was a a real kind of like culture shock from 94 where it kind of looked like an old western you know utah kind of you know town and now it's like a really sprawling you know almost like an aspen kind of feel to it
3: yeah very cool
2: so with the character Dante, the past 30 years, how, how have you uh, lived with that? How has it you? well, you know, it's been been a big part of your life and it's basically become your job to kind of promote him and stuff. But what, what has it become to you the past 30 years?
1: Well, you know, being incredibly blessed to have worked with a, a writer-director who's incredibly prolific when it comes to writing um, really has his pulse on what we were in our 20s, what we were in our 30s, and then with the latest uh, clerks, uh, what we were in our late 40s, early 50s. Um, but throughout his career and the fact that we've been able to actually grow this personal relationship, I'm one of the people who didn't go to high school with him, who didn't grow up with him like some of his other friends who, who were in the movie, but also been in other of the movies. Um, I auditioned straight out. Um, but being able to have built that relationship and that trust over the past 30 years has been really genuinely a blessing in in my life, um, because he still is very much genuinely himself. Him, what you see out there is pretty much him, um, and he's an incredible storyteller. If you've ever been to any of his Q and A's or evening with Kevin Smith or Hollywood Babylon pod live podcast shows, you know, the man knows how to tell a good story for hours and hours. (laughs) Um, So to know that I, he trusted me with these, this character in this series of films, but characters in other films as well. Um, It's been a, a true blessing. I know people who are my age, who grew up with the films and saw the other films and became a fan of both kevin smith work and the viewers universe as we call it in general um really enjoyed this whole multiverse universe of multiple films tied into this one universe so they have their favorites you know people like oh that silent bob character that's totally me or my friend or oh that that jay muse you know the jason characters totally i can relate to that or oh my god randall i love randall i got a guy at my job oh what a pain in the ass he's my randall you know <laughs> so those type of characters because people of every day can relate to them you know we're not superheroes with amazing powers that do amazing things but we still touch people in a way that they can relate to it they can see that movie easily anywhere they go you've either worked a really crappy you know uh retail job or you've been in an an establishment given really crappy service and can relate to these characters in the world that kevin has created
2: now, Ter- Terry and Molly, have you seen Clerks three?
0: I have not seen Clerks
3: three. Um, I have, but it's been a really long time.
2: Because I I want to talk about a, a big point in that movie, referring to the character.
1: So Terry, sure. are you, are you
2: okay with it being ruined a little bit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am a, a serial self spoiler. Like I always feel better if I know how it turns out, then I can really enjoy the film. Like all the tension doesn't help my viewing. So, uh, spoil away, Dill. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, Dante meets his
2: demise in uh, Clerks 3. Uh, I want to go behind the scenes with Brian, how, you know, how he reacted when he first read that on the
0: page. Yeah.
1: Well, we got to go back um, probably almost 10 years ago uh, when his first idea of a Clerks 3 script came out and he wrote it and he sent it to me and Jeff to read. And uh, since you've seen Clerks 3 and you know how that movie goes, um, the original Clerks 3 script was incredibly dark, um, like, you know, Aurora, Colorado, dark. Um, That incident that happened there in the movie theater, kind of dark. Um, which both myself and Jeff were kind of like, ooh, this is taking a turn. Um, and it was shortly after the Ar- Aurora, Colorado incident, um, the Dark Knight incident, that uh, kind of spurred Kevin onto this theme that he had wrote in, he had written in the screen. So knowing that, handing that script to me, knowing what the character was going to go through in that, um, when it came to this version, we never did that version of the script. Plus there were other producers involved that we didn't want to work with, um, so that sat. And then seven years later, he he readdressed it again. He rewrote the script. Um, he had recently had gone through previously uh, his own life health issues with a heart attack. Uh, and he decided to first make Jay and Silent Bob reboot film, which we were a part of, um, I, I was a part of. And then when it came a year or so, like a few months after that, he. The next thing he wanted to do was take another stab at writing a Clerks 3 script. And he did. And he wrote the script, which then we eventually became produced, which felt more in the thematic kind of essence of what Clerks, the world of Clerks is about. So in reading it and reading that version and seeing what he had written in from his own life, from his own experiences, from his own recovery, uh, from his heart issue, um i thought uh yeah we can do this i mean it's sad to for me to to let this this character go in that way but if you see if, when you see the film there doesn't mean that dante can't be back in some shape or form because there you'll see in 3, there are type of reminiscing kind of moments of that um but in uh saying goodbye to this character in a way you know, I, I jokingly tell people when I see them at comic cons and stuff Look, like it's it's good enough for Han Solo and Tony Stark and, you know, Wolverine. It's good enough for a simple old Dante hit. <laughs> uh, there we go. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I like I that
0: role of honor. I think Dante fits right in with that. I think
1: so, too. That and I mean, and, and also, you know, maybe even uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, in any event, um, those type of endings will live on. There are people who, who on the internet, it happens. Everybody has thousands of takes and opinions on films uh, where they're like, why would you do that? Oh, this ruins the whole thing. Um, but in the end, I put in the work. I'm proud of that film. I'm proud of the work that I did. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of uh, Jeff Anderson and uh, Trevor Furman and uh, Jay Muse, obviously, and Kevin. And we had a lot of cameos from the previous Clerks that showed up as well, Marilyn Gigliotti and Scott Schiaffo and Ernie O'Donnell and Kim Lochran and a whole bunch of people from the original Clerks that showed up that's really nice. Um, so it was nice to go back to that well, so to speak, shooting it all entirely again in New Jersey. This was the first Kevin Smith film that he, since the first Clerks, that we shot entirely in New Jersey, and it was nice to do so, because pretty much the store itself, Jeff has said this a few times in interviews. The store itself is its own character, so you couldn't make another clerks, uh, you know, without having the one of the original characters that being the store back in it.
3: That store is still open, correct?
1: Oh yeah, people go there all the time buying their cigarettes and Gatorade.
3: Yeah, I have a friend who just visited there and said that they saw some of the cast there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Some of the locals. Yeah. There's some of the locals who still live in that area who are in the movie will, will go to that. That's their store. That's their convenience store. So that place is never going to good. And
2: and speaking locally there, you you were, you were in town for on, was it Saturday night for the, the, the clerk marathon, the three films being played right after another.
1: Yes. uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith owns, um, his own movie theater, his childhood movie theater. This is the theater that him and his dad would go to see movies and him and his friends would sneak in and watch a couple of movies at a time. Uh, the, what used to be called the Atlantic cinemas is now called the Smod Castle cinemas. Uh, so Kevin and a few of his partners, a few of his friends got together to, to buy this theater. And so it's a great space. There's five screening rooms, five theaters in it. The largest, I think holds something around, uh, 200 seats or 200 and something seats uh and we had done this back in september where we'd called it uh clark's open all night a marathon of all three movies uh which we would start at like seven or eight o'clock at night and go until about six in the morning with q a's in between each movie uh we sold out uh the september screenings and we sold out the one that just happened saturday night into sunday Uh, It's quite a marathon. Uh, Myself, Jason uh, excuse me, myself, Kevin Smith, uh, and uh, Kim Loughran were there from the original class, as well as Ernie O'Donnell, who's the uh, weightlifter trainer guy from the original Clerks. He's one of the partners actually in the um, theater. Uh, and a few others showed up and it was great it was a fun time Uh, more than half the crowd were people who had never been to that theater before Uh, and then about a third of the crowd were people who were just went to the screening of all three of them back in September so it's nice to have a fan base that just loves to come out and enjoy each other it's you know uh, kind of a weird um, rocky horror picture show kind of vibe people will come cosplayed and yelled things at the screen and stuff like that. So it was fun. We did have though about a good 12 people who'd never seen a, the third one. And then one young man who never seen any of them. Uh, and we were, me and Kevin were very excited to hear his opinions as, we, as each one went yeah. by and we would Q and a Q&A. I'm like, so what'd you think? You know, and he'd give us his opinion. So it's good to know that. Um, we have a place like the Smod Castle cinemas, in on First Avenue in Atlantic Islands, New Jersey, to host things, to promote things, to have little events. As a matter of fact, last year at that time, they did a mall rat screening and Jeremy London and Jason Lee came for that one for a Q&A afterwards for that. Kevin has had at that theater the russo brothers to talk about their films he's had uh, J. A. R. martin there to talk about the game of thrones series it's not that far it's about 45 minutes either by train or by car from new york city it's not that far of a ride for people to come all over Uh, plus they get to see if they want to they can go to kevin's comic book shop which is only 20 minutes in red bank or the actual quick stop which literally is only 10 minutes away from his theater so it's a good kind of um if you're a fan of Kevin Smith and his works, going to that movie theater, going to one of the events and then going to either the Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash, the comic book shop or the Quick Stop is you could you could do a lot in that that one trip. I'm thinking road trip.
2: For sure. Last year we at we at one point we were planning to do in New York and I wanted to take a a New Jersey day, but that trip didn't come together so hopefully I can when it does.
1: Yeah, um, if you if it gets into New York City, New Jersey Transit, New Jersey Coastline, take it down to Red Bank, New Jersey. That's where the comic book store is. If you just want to go to the quick stop, you can go to the Middletown stop and then get a cab or Uber it from there to the to the store. Same thing with the First Avenue Theater. Or if you want to just go to the theater, there are sh- shuttle ferries from, the, from Manhattan to Atlantic Highlands.
3: Way cool. I'm so down.
2: Terry, Let me know Molly. when you guys you have town. any questions.
1: If I'm in town, I'll definitely show you around.
3: Ah! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you guys have questions for him?
3: I had a kind of strange question, which was, did you experience, um, like obviously they can bring you back, bring your character back in, you know, reminiscing kind of way, but did you experience grief over that it could move forward, but not in the same way anymore?
1: Oh yeah. Um, we, you know, we're not going to lie. When we filmed the segments in the film, um, there was a a long pause and hug. And even when we wrapped the entire film, I mean, there was this kind of like a, a feeling of like a, let's say a football player who's finally played his last game, kind of a feel, uh, where it's sad, you know, you're not going to get back on that field again, putting on that Jersey. Um, but I know it's not going to be. The last time I I worked with Kevin, as a matter of fact, we just we shot a movie uh, not that long ago. He's his his latest movie called Four Thirty Movie. I got to be a part of that. Um, so and you know and we hang out all the like we hang out when he's in town. Like I said, he he called me down to be a part of the Clerks All Night thing. Um, and it's something that um, maybe we can we can play these characters again. Um, the one thing that we are definitely pursuing is doing the uh, Clerks animated series again. We had an incredibly short-lived ABC show called Clerks the Animated Series uh, back in 2000 where we had six episodes made, but they only aired two episodes before it got canceled so that we could be replaced with Who Wants to Be a Billionaire? Um, So hopefully we can go back to that because physically we're getting on to where it's like, ooh, we need some AI or something going on here. You guys are a little rough to look at, but we still have our voices. So the characters could live on uh, with our voices. And, you know, we've talked about the animated series could be all the years in between the very first film to the very, you know, last film and beyond. That's the great thing about, uh animation you know just ask any of the people from the simpsons or family guy how great it is to just come in and clear your you know some people have their own home studios and just record from home and then send it in so uh that's our hope i know kevin wants to do a mall rats 2 movie um i did play a different character in mall rats so maybe i'll return for that you never know um so as far as dante is not quite he's not quite dead yet as they said not dead yet (laughs) (laughs) so
2: So on your shelves behind you have all sorts of toys and stuff what was it like the first time you saw yourself as a toy
1: well it was weird because there's many versions of different toys there was when we made the animated series we did the in action figures yeah um i don't know if i have one here up there but uh they were just standard dante pose like this um and so the anime, the the clerks cartoon in anime uh in action figures was the first time i ever see myself as a toy um and then years later uh diamond select toys did a you know a posable dante randall jay and silent bob characters those were like uh, eight inch or 12 inch poseable kind of figures um and then when the pop, funko, pop kind of uh, trend started going, there was a lot of Jay and Silent Bob ones that came out first. I think there's like 15 different versions of Jay and Silent Bob, but no Clerks ever made. Um, finally, this year, after a lot of like, why is there, how do you not have a Dante Randall kind of Clerks pop? Um, for the Since the third movie was coming out, uh, they decided to uh, relent and come out with the third version. Uh the third version, as I I know we're on a podcast, but I'm showing it to the camera. The the Dante Hicks uh from the Clerks 3. There's five of them. <laughs> you got uh Dante, Randall, um Elias, and then Jay and Silent Bob. And um they uh we've gotten a huge response from them. Um it was a limited run. I know a lot of places have already sold out of them. Uh, but I, I was very uh, flattered. and But at the same time, went about time, because so many people had made custom versions where people make them themselves and they'll vacuum form or, or injection. They have their own injection molded or they're made out of like a clay material. Um, and people have given me different versions of those. There's one right up there that's like the movies clerks two version um but yeah it's nice to see in a toy like the ultimate toy as me being a kid who grew up you know i was born in late 69 and grew up in the 70s when star wars came out the 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 universe and the toy i want to be is something from star wars if i could do anything any any universe to join It would be the Star Wars universe in some way, shape or form. Look, I could be the 50th trooper on the the star deck of 400 lined up. As long as I go, that's me. Count 50 from the right. And that's me. You know, so I could at least have a action figure from Star Wars. That would be my ultimate role. You know, if if Filoni is listening, uh, you know, Dave, you can just give me a call. I'm ready to go. Kathleen Kennedy, you too. Give me a call. Call me. Um
2: yeah, JJ did it for Kevin, so they can do it for you.
1: Yeah, why not? Why <laughs>
0: not? Awesome. Hey Brian, I have a question for you. Sure. As an actor, did the uh, success of the original Clark's film and everything that has happened subsequently right here as we're uh just looking at uh at toy figurines and uh some pretty big success uh of a cultural kind did that impact uh what you wanted out of an acting career or uh or how how you experienced uh the process of going forward as an actor with this incredible uh Success and attention from—I don't know—had you had you had film roles before that? Was this out of the out of the gate? What was that like?
1: So my acting, um, my acting career up to Clerks was just theater. I had done a lot of theater. I'd done off-Broadway stuff. I had done a lot of community theater. Um, That's how they got me because I'd worked out of the First Avenue Playhouse. And so I was on their list of people. Um, So I'd done nothing but theater up to that point. So Clerks was my first film acting role. Um, And then after that, um, when we went to Sundance and I was introduced to some people, I definitely put together um, uh, material to go and then take a trip to L.A., meet with agencies out there. I had then signed with an agency out there. Um, and then was being submitted for auditions for different things based from that. Um, I was getting a lot more work on the East coast cause I'd moved to LA and, and rented a, a room from a friend's in a friend's apartment. And I was out there for about three months doing the audition process out there and stuff. But I was kept getting offers for work again, back East. Um, And then, uh, like, cause we had done mall rats up in Minnesota with Kevin and then chasing Amy was happening and he wanted me to be a part of that. So I flew back for chasing Amy. Um, and then I started to get another role after that here in in the the New York city, New Jersey area to the point where I was like, you know, I'm, I might as well just stay here because it's and not pay rent to, to my out there if I'm getting more work here. And it seemed to just keep rolling along with that. Um, I, you know, when we did the cartoon series, we we did all of that out in L.A. So I had like a um, one of those uh, long term hotel kind of places, you know, executive long term stay kind of places. So I did that during the six to eight weeks that we were recording uh, the the cartoon series. And then same thing with clerks, too. I stayed in an apartment out there for the two three months that we were working on that and it was the kind of thing that i just i i love going to la i like being out there um but i i'm, I'm an east coast kind of kid and preferred being here uh but as far as like did i expect certain more things out of the career i mean i think everybody likes to have uh bigger and better opportunities going on um but i was i was happy doing a lot of theater to be honest with you that's
0: cool well and i was I was thinking about the fact that, um, I mean, for everybody involved, that uh, Clerks was the kind of film that hundreds of thousands of filmmakers and actors dream of being a part of. And you guys captured that uh, lightning in a bottle to the point that it is, I don't mean this in any negative way, but it's an industry, really, uh, which is so cool and beautiful. And like you were saying, you know, new people coming in and experiencing the films, and yeah, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, this is a film that is taught uh, in many different film schools all yeah. over the world. Um, it's a it's a good way to show with with very little of financial kind of backing. Uh, with a great script uh people who are willing to put in the work for you um and simple i mean the sets were the store were the locations were the places and we only had three or four of them anyway to work out of there wasn't many location moves on the schedule um (laughs) with clever writing you know you can see what you can do um you know and Today, there are festivals that are, you know, you can, the phone festivals, we have 48 hours to make a film on your phone, and they give you a premise of some sort, and you know, you and your friends get together and try to compete to put together an edit today. I
3: did uh, one of
1: those, it was really fun. Yeah. They are a lot of fun, and very, it helps the creative price, you know, the process. You know, if we had this back in 93 when we made Clerks, oh, my God, it would be stunning. You know, 4K phone cameras and you know, sound that can jack right into your phone if you want, and, you know, the equipment that's available to people today to make films uh, has made it to where now there's a lot of content, just not many places that you can see content. I mean, you can... I mean, there are many channels to see content, but I mean, there are no to get things now into theaters these, these days is incredibly tough. Um, it's incredibly tough to even get it picked up for streaming sometimes. And even when it is picked up on streaming, the the money that is paid by streamers is not what a film used to get paid for back in the day. We don't have the half of the revenue used to came used to come from hard media, you know, owning a DVD owning this owning that we don't have that outlet anymore this year best buy decided to never carry blu-rays and dvds ever again um Mm -hmm. because everybody is streaming there's no need for it for them i'm a i'm an old school guy that likes to own physically the the blu-ray or the dvd or the steel book whatever you want to own these days and the only people who put up that type of money to produce those contents are these marvel movies or big big budgeted star wars movies or something like that um you know so it's it's weird the industry in the past 12 15 years has shifted in a very dramatic way and i believe uh with the writer strike and the actor strike this that this happened this past year was a uh a focal point and a, and a stand, you know, a line in the sand saying like, look, I know the industry model has changed tremendously, but we and our contracts need to pivot with it, especially with the more and more use of AI, maybe not writing scripts so much, maybe not so much, you know, altering the appearance of different characters or using digital characters or digital voices. But at the same time, it should be taken note that, we have to, you know, we as artists need to be paid uh, the proper level of creativity because without the creativity, good luck with AI scripts.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you need the good inputs if you aren't going to use that, right? And were you in it's
3: derivative creativity? Sorry and for people to be compensated when it's derivative of their creativity when they're using ai correct
1: direct- correct I and mean, that's uh why the new york times is suing some of these open you know Ch- chat gpt and these different google ai uh, outlets because they trained their programs by using things like the you know the new york times and you know cnn and all this other stuff and those people were writers And, uh, you know, they need to be compensated. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, In the meantime, though, I'm a big fan of the film festivals like Sundance, Tribeca, On, Telluride, you know, all these amazing film festivals around the world because there are still people who are making films that don't necessarily get the distribution that they should, but are making or telling important stories or at least important to them and personal stories of points of view that you may not normally hear of in the mainstream kind of media outlet when it comes to what comes out of Hollywood uh, in films. So that's why I always encourage people who wanna get into this industry. Don't just watch films like you see on HBO and Netflix and like that, but go to festivals, meet the actual filmmakers, meet the actual people who are distributing, meet the people who actually are in these films. And film festivals are like that. They're very open in that sense to where meet and greets like that can be done. If you're an outlet like a podcast or something like that, and apply for media accreditation so you can get more information out of that. And um, it's a thing that people don't realize is out there until you've been to one then you go oh, wow I, I didn't know i had all access to all this information you know yeah, I went to, I... it's a it's a great it's a great education i went to the con film festival twice and i learned more there than anywhere i've ever been about film and the industry the the distribution of it the financing of it the selling of different marketplaces from around the world uh, things like that it's uh it's an education i think um people who wanna make films need to need to learn.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to several film festivals and I love them. I've had some film show at some film festivals and it was great experience, um, but I, I do tend to be a little shy. So I find it hard to network sometimes because I'm like, I don't wanna to talk to anyone. <laughs> well,
1: that, that in a way that's a good way because the, the greatest way of, of educating yourself sometimes is just listening, just listening to the conversations of other people talking about the industry. And That's you just true. take it
3: the, the panels are so, so great right. for me. I love them. Even though I'm too shy to ask a question.
1: <laughs> but someone, someone may eventually, and there's no, there's no harm in going, Can you do me a favor? Can you ask this question for me? And they'd be like, What? And you'd be like, Okay.
3: <laughs> okay, I'll have to try that one. There you go.
0: Brian, I wanted to do a callback because I had the, uh, Really great opportunity to interview Bob Hawk uh, when uh, when Film Hawk talk about a meta moment when Film Hawk showed at Sundance, and uh, I I just I just got lucky with with uh, the publicist representing uh, that film, and I got to spend a good 15 20 minutes with him and i i the more than anything the reason i bring this up is because i i mean i of course i had done some homework but the the feeling of being in the presence of someone incredibly important who didn't take themselves overly seriously or anything like that at all was really that was really special and and I still uh uh send a uh chat to Bob on social media every once in a while he's still hanging around and I know he's had some health problems but uh I I feel like that was one of the great uh just beautiful moments of Sundance for me to get to meet that guy. And of course, a, a, among other people that, that I was aware that he had influenced uh, you know, the the cultural um, spread of a film, the way that Clerks, I mean, I, I remember exactly where I was when Clerks came out and when I saw it. And yeah, it's really something
1: really cool. The, the absolute, influence and importance that bob Hawke has and had on the industry in general if they ever did a, a it's a wonderful life kind of version of him and if he didn't exist there would be so many incredibly iconic pieces of art that wouldn't have been seen wouldn't have been made wouldn't have gotten the attention wouldn't have been what it what they've turned out to be without his fingerprints on it scripts that he doctored for people advice that he gave to different people to do with what to do with their film introductions of people to filmmakers things of that nature uh the the influence of Bob Hawk, which you saw in the film, Film Hawk. And if your listeners want to see a great documentary about the, especially the independent film industry uh, watch this amazing film called Film Hawk. And I'm not saying that because I'm also in it as one of the talking heads. Um, But it's a great, it's a great film about independent film, especially in the late eighties, nineties and the early aughts um, that I think uh, people who want to know about the, or have a, just a liking of the the filmmaking industry uh, should watch. And he, his own life is a fascinating life uh, in itself.
2: Uh, Next, what I want to talk about is uh, public appearances. The first time I met you was back in 2014, if I believe, the opening of the comic book store um, on the West Coast.
1: Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a wow.
2: Yeah, you you autographed a bunch of my DVDs, and um, one of the sweetest moments is where you would just sit there, and you talk to me and my wife, you asked us where we came from, and we said Utah, and you're like, just for this, and we're like, no, we had a whole trip and everything. (laughs) My first memory is one of my favorites, because you were just so sweet, asking about Uh our trip, and.
1: That's uh, that's just uh, you can thank my mother and father for that. They're they're the ones that raised me to be polite and to uh, to just be you know I live by a very basic rule: treat others like you want to be treated. It's the simple golden rule, um, and I I do it well. Anybody who I uh I come in contact with, listen, if you're a server you know, waiting my table, I'll ask if they have a name badge, I'll say, Hey, Tom, good good to see you. Or, you know, if they don't, and I'll be like, Oh, uh, could we get this? And I'm like, and they were like, "All right, I'll get that right for you. And they're like, by the way, what was your name? And they're like, Tom. I'm like, Oh, thank you, Tom. And then whenever I ask for something, I'm like, Hey, Tom, I'm sorry, (laughs) can can I get a side of barbecue sauce with this? You know, I think people, no matter what you do for a living, or if you're not doing anything for a living, I think people just deserve Basic human respect, just that's simple enough. Um, so, even if it's a busy con appearance at like Fan X or wherever I'm going to be at, and it's maybe even a long line, you're you're not going to get the bums rush out of my line. Like here you go, and handed you your idea, and I'm next. I'm not I'm not like that because uh, I'm also interested in where people come from. I'm interested in people's stories. Everybody has their own story. We're our own documentary inside ourselves. It's just a matter of someone turning that channel on. Um, so hearing about people and where they're coming from, or what you're doing here, or you know who's this little man? If you got your kid with you, that kind of thing, um, I think makes it more, more memorable. You obviously remember that moment, and I didn't want to. Be, I I don't want to be the moment like did you see that dick. What was that all about? You know what I mean? And trust me. I've met some people in the industry who have a very worldwide huge following who are not the most pleasant of people sometimes. And I think to myself, geez, Louise, like if you just took a moment out of your day to realize that these people are here, they may have paid a good amount of money. They may even saved up for this trip to this event. And you're just going to give them the bum's rush or just give them a, Hey, thanks. And just hand them back their autograph. It's to me, I, I, it's very bad karma, if you ask me.
2: Do you have any um memories from that day? Because that was kind of a big deal at a West Coast
1: shop. Uh and- I think we went until 6 a.m. is what yeah. I remember. Well we had the line like, was so long. line. We had to stop the line. I went out a few times to kind of like, you know, funny monkey guy to keep everybody <laughs> was, all right. Don't worry about it. You know, uh we're we're moving along. Um I remember that. And we ended at 6am. I remember Jason Lee was having a great time, but he had to go and a few people had to leave. But, um, but that's also the reason why it took so long to do it is Kevin, especially is even more so giving people hugs. Hey, man, where are you coming from? And really? And like, he wants to really know stories and people then tell them their stories about what Kevin's films meant to them, and they'll tell stories about, oh, my dad introduced it to me, or oh, I dated this girl who we we watched the movie together, or things like that. And so, we give people their time because, in all honesty, me, Kevin, Jeff, Jason, all we're fans of other other entertainment properties as well. And we'd be the same way in front of like a Mark Hamill or, you know, a, you know, William Shatner or stuff like that. We'd want to have that type of time, uh, to, to have that experience because it's going to only be that moment in that moment only. And who knows when I'll be able to, to see that person or talk to that person in person again. Um, so we, uh, we try to give, uh, the audience what we want like that screening of the three movies we started uh we let people in and we started talking and we had a little mini auction of things that kevin was selling at 10 o'clock we, i didn't leave the theater till 7 30 the next morning because we took so many people's questions and stuff and ernie o'donnell who's the running manager and co-owner of the smod castle theater would be Flashing the flashlight up at us on stage, like, "All right, wrap it up, wrap it up." And Kevin always just blows through those lights, like, "Yeah, I'll wrap it up when I'm done," kind of a thing. But that's how we are. We 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 overcompensate your money's worth. You're not going to get your money's worth. You're going to get your money's worth and maybe four other shows worth of money's worth out of us.
2: If a convention wants to to book you, what what is what is the process? And you sure. talked about this the other day.
1: Sure. So the, I know I get a lot of questions all the time. Hey, you should come to such and such con and how do we get you there? And I always tell them this. I said the best way to get me to come to cons is the cons themselves invite the guests. So I always tell fans to go to your local cons, social media, their website and write them and say, Hey man, you guys should have the guys from clerks. Uh, and then I tell them and then they can contact our reps, uh, the rep company that is our, uh, convention appearance reps is zsc entertainment zsc entertainment.com they represent a huge chunk of the view askew actors including michael rooker and jason lee and jeremy london and nice. and things like that nature plus a lot of the walking dead people a lot of the star wars people uh, so they can go to Zscentertainment.com. there's a contact us uh, page put in the information that's what I. Promoter can do to sh- have us show up, and we and it's not just conventions. We've done appearances at comic book stores, toy stores, uh, different events. I've gone to hockey games because they know I'm a big hockey of hockey fan. So and we had hockey on the roof in our movies, so they know we love hockey. Um, things like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, Niagara Falls, uh, the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, uh, I'm going to in a 420 Expo. So a Cannabis uh, friendly event. Myself and Jeff Anderson will be up there uh, 420expo.com for more information. Uh, Niagara Falls 420 Expo, excuse me, for Niagara Falls 420 Expo. But those are the type of events that we get booked for. So if you're looking to do it, go to the local con, social media, tell them to, you know, you should bring the clerks, people, or anybody you want. And that goes not just for us, for any guest. They listen to the fans because they know you're the ones that are coming in buying your gate ticket and going to buy the autographs and stuff like that. So that's the easiest way to do it.
2: And next month, you've got the VSQ cruise. um, Correct. Late February. Oh, Yeah,
1: that that Um, looks
2: like it's going to be lots of fun. Um,
1: Yeah. The beginning of the month, I'm up at AlaskaCon in Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, So I'll be up there freezing, but... (laughs) the end of the month, I'll be able to sail from Miami to the Bahamas for four days uh, to defrost from Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah, you can go to cruiseskew.com for more information. Uh, There's a whole huge itinerary there. Uh, I'm I'm hosting two pub crawls on the ship. At first, there was only one, but it sold out immediately, and there was a huge response to do more. So they reached out to me going, do you mind doing a second Pub crawl on the ship. I said, uh, not on the same day. I won't. But sure, we can do a second <laughs> pub crawl. Uh well, also there's tons of live. Little, tons of live the podcasts. early
0: pub crawl and the late pub crawl.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's where you bring a bottle of vodka, but you swap the vodka out for water, and you make it look like you're drinking vodka, but you're <gasps> not. There's a bunch of podcasts that are going to be done live. We have a whole tons of bands, including Soul Asylum. will also be on board the show. Um, uh, a live script reading of that very first Clerks 3 script that we talked about, the very dark bird. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. We're going to do, do a live script reading of that. We're going to do a script reading of the Mallrats movie. Uh, a bunch of things. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cruiseskew.com. Uh, Miami to the Bahamas and back uh, the 23rd to the 26th, I believe, of February. Uh, the, I know the rooms are running out, so if you want one, grab one now. Um, we'll see you on the cruise.
0: Nice.
2: And um, you mentioned earlier podcasts. Um, you actually have one yourself. Um,
1: I do. I have one uh, called the O'Hallorant. Uh The O'Hallorant, you can find on uh, YouTube, Twitch, and on Facebook, uh, you can go to the O'Hollorant, uh dot slash uh, or YouTube.com slash the O'Hollorant. uh You can go to Twitch uh, Brian C O'Holleran on Twitch, uh, and then the O'Hollerant on Facebook.
2: And how did that come about? Was that a victim of uh, COVID, or had you started it before that?
1: I had been wanting to do one for a while before that, as people know, Kevin uh, kind of is the weird great grandfather of podcasting in general. And uh, one day he reached out years ago, going, how come Brian O'Halloran doesn't have a podcast? This is when Kevin was starting his own network, the Smodcastle network, um, the Smodcast network. Uh, He's like, you should have one. I don't know. Call it like, I don't know, the O'Hallorant or something. So, uh, oh, that stuck in me. I was like, oh, I should, I should. But I was on the road a lot and didn't, you know, needed to get equipment like a Zoom, you know, mixer and get the microphones and stuff like that. So I did all the buying of stuff first and then was always on the road. And I would do some interviews while out at cons, um, but they were just audio uh, podcasts. And I was like, oh, and to get it out, out. Onto different networks. I was getting all overwhelmed with it. So it stopped. So that when the pandemic lockdown happened, now I had no excuse. A, I didn't want to do a sourdough starter. But B, I I wanted to reach out to my other creatives who were going out of their minds in their own houses. And it was a way to be creative um, while still being at home. I did a bunch. I did two or three staged readings of plays via zoom that we broadcast. Um, And so then I decided, look, I'm going to, let's do it. Let's do the O'Hallorant. So I did a season one, which was in 2022. I did a 31 episodes. Uh, I just started season two, a couple of weeks ago. I have, I have one episode done with that. Uh, I'll be do I usually do Friday nights at nine o'clock on both Twitch, YouTube, and um, Facebook. And uh, yeah, I also have a, a Instagram and a Twitter, or X page of The O'Hollorant. You can go to The O'Hollorant on both of those to follow along when I'm uh, recording. Awesome. Nice.
2: I covered all the questions I have. Terry, Molly, do you, you have any questions for him?
3: I mean, I got a silly one, which is um, if, I, if I hosted a Clerks burlesque show could I reach out to a representative to hire you to come?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That would be great. I mean, I've seen burlesque where a couple of people were dressed as like Jay and Silent Bob, and that was um, different. I'll put it that way, Uh, seeing (laughs) seeing that type of Jay and Bob. Uh, But yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I've hosted a few of those burlesque events before. Uh, They're a lot of fun. Uh, The participants are always incredibly talented um so yeah by all means plus uh, I love Utah every time I'm out there so
3: cool well I want to say thank you I'm just I can't believe I'm just sitting here talking having this conversation and getting all these um juicy tidbits of information about your life and about your experiences
1: so thank you
3: thank you thank you so much for having me
1: welcome welcome I will thank Dylan he was the one who reached out and that was very Mind, uh about asking. And and usually when I have the time, I can do these type of things. I enjoy it myself. So same thing, yeah, well, Terry. Yeah. Uh,
0: thanks, you guys. Uh, Brian, I, I, I'm i going to be a little bit of a paraphrase of uh, the great man, Chris Farley. But uh, I, it's just awesome. It's just awesome what you guys have done and uh, I used to work in licensing, so I know like the world of business development and right doing, you know, deals and this and that, and all those things. But the things that you've spoken about today about being with people and taking time to sign an autograph for them, and and to uh, to reflect uh, an experience of life. Like that, the capture that you guys did in that film that just, it, it's awesome, just totally awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm man,
0: Yeah, all the best and, and great continued success to all of you, for sure.
1: Thank you, Terry, I appreciate that. And maybe uh, yeah. one of these years, uh, we'll run into each other at Sundance again.
2: Yeah, um, or at or Molly's know. Burlesque the show. Molly's right. Yeah. Just saying.
3: Get that. Just get saying. That. <laughs> do it. I love it.
2: Now, now, Brian, do we have we do have a series of bonus questions to, to close out okay. the show. Uh, the first one is uh, what does creativity mean to you?
1: What does creativity mean to me? Creativity means to me is uh taking something out of nowhere, just out of nowhere, and being able to Put it through your body, put it through your thoughts and making it something, something to the point that other people and sometimes not other people can appreciate. You can be a creative cook. You could be a creative singer. You could be a creative talker, storyteller. You could be creative of how you decorate your bathroom. You could be creative in how you just dress yourself. I see very interesting people with incredible outfits all the time. People create every day. And that's creativity. And it starts in family, but also in the schools. We need more arts programs to be funded. And I tell this all the time to fundraising events and people who are in legislation of, and in politics, I said, look at you fine people in this room, you're all dressed to the nines. Where did you learn how to dress so well? You learned that through art. You learned color coordination through art. You listen to songs on the ride here to your event. Where do you get that enjoyment of music, but listening to it in music class or going and listening to the radio? You're all appreciative and consumers of art. The bill is due to pay for the artist to get the talent to be out there, to learn those instruments, to be able to paint on canvases, you know, build architectural plans. That comes from schools, art schools, and not in the private sector way, but in the real public school sector way. You're worried about kids getting you know, into gangs and getting into different wrong sides of life. Well, you have to occupy their time with things and things that are creative are usually not destructive. And when you get them into creative thinking, that's all they want to do is create, not destroy. And that's where I think a lot of these um, bigger cities uh, where budgets are being pulled tight uh, are losing out when you start closing and removing arts from the classroom, you know, um, the Churchill once said, a, a country that does not have culture is not a country, you, you know, why, why else do you fight a war but to preserve the culture of your country and, and culture is the arts. That's creativity.
2: <laughs> this next question is a little less serious. Um, who is your favorite Muppet and why?
1: Favorite Muppet and why? I mean, I immediately I want to think animal just because he was such a show showman and stuff like that. Um, but you know what? Fozzie bear, Fozzie bear was a comic um, who just wanted to bring laughs to people who was a very simple guy, put on that hat, had that tie on and he was ready to go. Um, so I'd say Fozzie bear. I love it.
2: And the, the final little set of questions in the movie, your life, who would you want to play you? And what is the genre is the film?
1: Uh, it's funny. I always, uh, whenever I saw the original BBC version of the office, Ricky Gervais and I have a very close look, um, you know, but we're both uh, getting older now. Uh, so if we're talking like now and and that type of thing, Ricky Gervais is a, is a good pick for me. Um, before that you know ooh, that that's tough that's tough that's tough um I'm, i can only think of actors who are older now um you know like charlie sheen at his young platoon self or uh you know something like that would have been good uh even when he did that movie the arrival he had a van dyke as well i'm like he's stealing my look um but now i i don't know who now I, I don't know, uh, I, I I can't see a role that Jared Leto has never gone wrong with. Um, you know, I get a lot of people like, you look like Steven Root. So, you know, there's Steven Root. But once again, these are people who are now older. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear what your fan base thinks. Who would Who would you find to play me? You,
2: you. I'd have you play you.
1: There you go.
3: <laughs> now I'm thinking of Barry Keoghan, if that's how you say it oh okay not that there's like a some like there's somewhat of a similarity maybe in the eyes mostly but um but he's a great actor so i feel like he would play
1: a phenomenal actor i haven't seen Burn yet, but i know it's uh i keep telling people keep telling me you gotta watch it you gotta watch it so yeah Uh, he's awesome he's he's like radcliffe i could see radcliffe yeah i could see radcliffe do that plus
0: he's a total oscar bait so you know i mean you'd be right in there probably probably a, a, a best picture and best actor you know
3: <laughs> let's manifest this yeah.
2: <laughs> well thank you brian for hearing for being here today if i can paraphrase the the famous clerk's line
1: <laughs> yes we, we appreciate you. it thank you um, for having there is it's so funny now that I think about it. There is a group of filmmakers out of Scotland uh, who made a film called Shooting Clerks. It's a oh, yeah. biopic about Kevin and making clerks. And the actor that they found there to play me, he looked a lot like me as well. So uh, if you get it, it's not out yet. they're They're in the process of finishing their distribution deal. They'll have some screen. They had some screenings a couple of like two months ago. Uh, around the country uh, where they four walled the film in many theaters. Uh, but they'll be coming out with the Blu-ray DVD of uh, version in the next couple of months. Uh, so that's a, there's an actor there who played me. So.
2: And you had a part in that as well, right?
1: Yes. We all, we all showed up in it playing different, different roles in it. That's so cool. cool.
2: Yeah. Very nice. Uh, if you would like to, uh, a quick rundown of your socials. Sure. Sorry, anybody want to reach, find you? Anybody?
1: Reach me on Facebook. You can go to The Brian C. O'Holloran on Facebook. Uh, On Instagram, it's Brian C. O'Holloran. And on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, Brian C. O'Holloran is the best way to reach me uh, for any type of, you know, if you're going to tag, like we were talking about coming to a show, going to a con, that's the thing to do is to tag me on that. And then they can get in touch with whoever they need to get in touch with.
2: When we're done here, I'm going to go harass Dan Farr to you get go. you guys out here this fall. So
0: nice. Righty.
2: Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Terry. Brian, thank thanks. you, Molly. All the best. Good you. To see you all.
1: Molly, I look forward day. to uh, the wonderful show.
3: Let's do it.
0: <laughs> the podcast is done, man. <laughs>